Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, hey, anyways, we, I hope you have an amazing Christmas coming up. This is our last Sunday gathering for the rest of the year. Uh, we do have our Christmas Eve services. They're going to be so great. Pastor James has put so much uh, time and effort into our music. We have some great videos to show. It's just going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to bring a very short message to you. Uh, and encourage, Hey, brother, take it easy. Sorry, I'm trying to think of a comeback, but it's coming to me. A little slow today. Uh, but uh, so this is our last Sunday gathering. We have uh, two more uh, Sunday ga- Sundays this year, obviously, uh, Christmas Day and, and New Year, January 1st. And on January 1st, my wife and I will be online. Uh, we're doing a video for you, just talking about our new year, really giving you just what we do is we reflect on the last year. We look at kind of all the messages we've talked about and what God's done. And man, I, I just want to tell you, I didn't mention this first service. I was looking at just God, uh, the growth in our church, just people-wise. From January to December, we've literally doubled as a church uh, over this year. And I want to remind you of something. We were in COVID restrictions all the way till March, April, uh, and we got kicked out of our our facility. Uh, so God is into growing his church and I just want to say thank you to the Lord and uh, you know we're just so glad we've added so many new folks to the church just in the last three months and so man God is up to something so great and uh, one of the things we do every year uh, in our church is if you'll notice something uh, and I say this every week we, we don't take a tithe and an offering during our services and the reason we don't do that uh, is just because uh, we feel I've, the Lord spoke to me very early in the church uh, that um, he wants me just to trust in him and so what we do do, uh, though, every December is we like to spend some time uh, taking a, uh, an offering called Heart for the House. And what this is, I'm just trying to find it on here. There we go. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Heart for the House is just an opportunity. It's really above and beyond the tithe. It's an opportunity for us as a church, between you and the Holy Spirit, you and the Lord, uh, just to invest into our, our next year. And there's four areas where we're investing into. Number one, our, ne- our next generation, our youth and, and our kids and our young adults. And our, our youth, we had an amazing Christmas party. Shout out to Andrew and Brittany and Amy and James. I, you know, we had tons of kids there. And if you are feeling led to join our youth team. Andrew and Brittany have taken the helm of our, as our interim youth pastors uh, in this season, and they are just old and need some help. And so Andrew, his, you know, his jokes need to be just work on his jokes a little bit, but no, they're doing an amazing job just serving the Lord, Amy as well, and James, and, and we just want to say thank you to these guys. But hey, you feel like the Lord's leading you to join our youth team Wednesday nights, come and help us a pastor and disciple young people. Uh, I might just need to prophesy here for a few minutes. The Lord is not speaking to me, but I just need some help. So come on now. Uh, but no, we're going to invest into them this next year. We also want to take our kids ministry to the next level. We're going to potentially be bringing on a youth coordinator just uh, maybe a couple days a week to help my wife and just to, we want to take our youth minister or our youth uh, uh, our kids rather to the next level and so we're going to do that this year also we need to invest in our online community as uh, we just want to make some investments as I know technology ta- cast ca- ca- 
cost money, and uh, and our board just needs some love, and we're looking into getting a new board and so forth. We've had that board for many years, and so we're going to be doing some upgrades there. Thirdly, our permanent facility, praise God, we are still looking for a permanent facility. We're investing in that, but with that, we're going to be adding a wall into this back room here so our, 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 our nursing moms can have some privacy. We're also going to put a wall there for our preschools so that they don't run away during church, praise God. And then we're also looking, there's a room up here that we're actually considering uh, remodeling that room uh, upstairs and turning into our kids zone and putting all of our kids ministry right up here uh, and God willing we can get the bay next door and we're just going to keep seeing what God opens up but we're going to be an investment into that and then lastly we're going to make an investment into church planting this year we've uh, allotted two percent of our giving to go towards church planting because we believe over the next four years we're God willing I'm just going to say God willing I don't know we're going to try to plant two churches and I have no idea how or who or when or what, but Lord, we just say it in faith. Amen? Let's reach more lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ through life-giving, healthy church plants. Amen? All right, well, let's get into it today. We've been in a great series called Not Just Stories. I'll continue this kind of into Christmas Eve. And uh, we're just going to be uh, taking our time today to continue to look at a story uh, in the Scripture. And as you know, uh, there's all sorts of stories uh, going on around Christmas that are great stories and they're fun stories, but none of them are true. The only true stories we read about around Christmas time is about Jesus. We read through Scripture last three weeks, and I hope you're catching the theme, which will continue today, that God sent His Son to earth for broken, hurting people. He didn't send His Son to earth for the righteous or or the perfect. He sent his son to you and to me are broken and need a savior in our lives. And we're going to read today is the story of Mary and Joseph. And my heart is just to bring you in a little bit to this story, give you a little bit more context for it, and then help you really see the heart behind why God chose uh, our little Mary. So let's read the scripture together. Luke chapter one, verse uh, 26. It says this in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. She's confused and she's disturbed. Mary was trying to think why this angel, especially Gabriel, would come to her. Don't be afraid, Mary said, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God and you'll conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be very great and we call the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor, his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Somebody say amen. Amen. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Yes. And I felt to say to those in the room who are praying for a baby. I know there's some in the room that are praying. I want to say right now, this is evidence to us that God can to cause nothing to come out of to something to come out of nothing. You know what I'm trying to say, right? God can cause a miracle in your womb and in your body. So I want to declare this today. I know there's people that are praying for a child. I believe in 2023. Amen. We're going to see some babies at Love City Church. Amen. 
I prophesy that over you right now that your womb will be open, your body will be healed, and there will be babies born. More babies in our church. We have so many of them. They're everywhere, spitting up and pooping in the church. And we love it. And we're going to have more. And we say here today that the word of God will never fail. God created your body to have babies. Amen. And so we're going to declare the purposes of God and the word of God over your body, over your physical body. Today, we declare pregnancy in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you are not going to like that because you might just get pregnant and you didn't want to. So steer clear of your loved one for about seven days. Just kidding. Okay. Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant. Lord, my answer is yes. I'm only 13. You're telling me that I'm going to give birth to a child that's God? My answer is yes. I'm your servant, Lord. Lord, everything you said about me, make it come true. As I read through this this morning, I felt like there were some people in the room who've had some prophetic words over your life. Maybe you've had some hopes and some dreams that God has put in your heart. Maybe it's to start a business or be in a ministry. As I mentioned, have a child or start a family. Or maybe you've been praying for your marriage. I want you to know today that, that God, every, every single word that came over your life is true. And God will bring it to completion. But I want you to hear me. It requires a yes from you. It's one thing for God to make a promise. God wants to make that promise to you. And he will make sure that that promise remains true. But there has to be a yes. Lord, I want it your way. Lord, I want your timing. Lord, I want your mindset. God, I want your attitude. God, I want your life for me. God, I want the way you want me to live my life. God's promises over your life are yes and amen in Christ. But it requires a yes on our heart and mind. We read this story today, we see that, that here's this beautiful little woman and this young man who had a plan. They were getting married. The father, Mary's father, arranged this 13-year-old, this seventh grader, to arrange to be married to this man named Joseph. And he had spent time over the last several years watching this young man in this small town, Bethlehem, and knew pretty early on, I imagine, was watching him grow and watching him become a man and thought, man, this guy's a good fit. And Joseph began to get into the age where he would be married. And so they begin to arrange this marriage and they begin to... Uh, develop a relationship. And, and the reality is, is that in this days in Jewish custom, when a father would arrange a marriage between a, a man and a woman, what would happen is, is they were actually married when they would come together. They were considered one flesh, but there was a, a period of time, most of the time, a, about a year where the husband would go and prepare a home and the, 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 the soon to be wife or the wife would live in the home of, of the father at that time. And what would happen is, is that they were married, but they wouldn't consummate the marriage marriage. And so even though they hadn't been together physically in the eyes of their father, in the eyes of their mother, they were absolutely married. Just like any of you married folks are here today. They were married. They were together. They were in unity. They were in relationship. And it was a year's time later where they would consummate that marriage. And so Joseph and Mary had this plan. Joseph was building a house for her and he was, you know, starting this next season of his life and finally able to start a family and have children and continue to live the life that he wanted. And Mary was living a normal life. And she was kind of processing this fact that at 
as a, as a, a seventh grader, she was going to be married to this man, and it was customary for her to take on those responsibilities of being ch- bearing children and, and taking care of the home and taking care of her husband. And it was something at a young age she had been taught to do, but she's finally coming to the place where she's accepting, okay, I'm going to be married to this man, so much so that she started writing uh, Joseph's last name, Mary, with Joseph's last name, and writing it out to see what it looked like, and putting on the wedding dress for the night that they would get married and begin to have a life plan of we're going to have children this time and we're going to live in this place and we're going to do this thing. Mary and Joseph began to plan their life out together. And before God arrived on the scene, they had their own plan. They had their own agenda. They had worked things out. Things were going the direction they wanted them to go. Their plan of of being married at this time with this much money in the bank doing with 2.5 children and a little tiny cute little dog. They were headed that direction. All the plans they had in life we're lining up and then God came and messed it all up God showed up in the middle of their plan and said nope God came in the middle of their agenda and their idea of how life should work and their idea of how marriage should look and their idea of what the next step would look like and say we got it all figured out God came and said no that is not the plan that I have for you I've got something different for your life and this angel showed up Gabriel of all angels showed up to this little tiny 13 14 year old 7th grader do you say grade grade 7 it's easier to say 7th grader so I'm going to say American today. Don't be offended, okay? It's all right. I'm a nice American. Well, hey, somebody made a comment there. She's a beautiful little seventh grader. And she's this sweet little girl. And this angel appears to her. And I have no doubt. I know that I would feel this way. That, that, that I have no doubt that Mary felt unworthy. To have this angel Gabriel come and say, you're going to be pregnant with God. I imagine her first response was probably, why did you choose me? Like, maybe you've got the wrong address here. Like, I'm not what you think that I am. And this angel's making this crazy statement that she's going to be pregnant with God, the, the, the Messiah, the one that was foretold about in the Jewish scriptures for thousands of years, hundreds of years prior. There was prophetic words, and she was the one who would fulfill these prophetic words that were given by Isaiah and all throughout the prophets. She was only 13 years old, 14 years old. Imagine for a moment what it might be like for your seventh grade little daughter to come into your room and say, hey, dad, I'm pregnant. Don't worry. I didn't sleep with anybody. Oh, by the way, it's God. I'd be like, sweetheart, make an appointment with a psychologist. For a moment there, I'd be like, this is not okay. Now, as I thought about what that might be like, I thought just about what, you know, dads letting their daughter go on a, on a first date. And I thought this was kind of funny that here's a few slides. Dad is watching. Look at this guy up here. How about this one? I had my girlfriend's parents over for dinner for the first time, and her dad wore this. Rules for dating my daughter. Number one, get a job. Understand I don't like you. I'm everywhere. You heard her. I heard you. Be home 30 minutes early. Get a lawyer. (laughs) If you lie to me, I will find out. She's my princess, not your conquest. I don't mind going back to jail. (laughs) Whatever you did to do to her, I will do to you. (laughs) 
How about this one, an application to date my daughter, answering all the questions, number of attendants you've gone to church, family information. Number one, do you own or drive a van? Yes or no? If yes, please discontinue filling out this form. In 50 words or less, describe what no means to you. In 50 words or less, describe what late means to you. Well, where would you least like to be shot? Which is the last bone you want broken? What do you want to be if you grow up? Please complete this sentence. A woman's place is, what is my daughter's name? <laughs> Who besides God should you fear the most? And then he has a, a references of relationships that have fallen apart. And the very bottom here, it says a special notice. If accepted, there will be a $50 deposit when you pick up my daughter. If you are one minute late, the deposit will be forfeited. If you are more than 30 minutes late, please refer to question number five, which is, which is the last bone you want broken? <laughs> You know, I imagine what it must have felt like for Mary and Joseph to have their sweet little daughter, this innocent little girl, walk in and begin to say, Dad, I'm pregnant, and it's God, and it's not just God. You know, I haven't been with a man. Can you just imagine for a moment what's going through your mind as a mother and a father thinking, okay, that Joseph probably, he, he broke our promise. Joseph told us he wouldn't touch you for a year. And Mary's like, I told you, Joseph, I could see it in his eyes. And she's like, no, like, like Joseph must have done this. And then she goes to tell Joseph and Joseph's thinking, well, I know I haven't been with her. So it must have been someone at Aunt Elizabeth's house. Could be she shows up after being there and she's got a baby bump. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. This is something you'd see on Jerry Springer for sure. Jerry. I mean, who's going to believe this, this, little, this little girl? Who's going to believe her that, that it's God in her belly? Who's going to believe her that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her? There's a little 13-year-old girl named Mary who has lived 13 years of experience in life. And I don't know if I would even believe her. But the reality is her rebuttal is this. Listen, I didn't break any promise. And I want you to know that I am pregnant with God. I'm pregnant with the Messiah. Ultimately, it's important for you and I to understand something here today. For you and I to really understand why this story matters. Why this isn't just a story. That this actually happened. Because it's, under, it's important to understand. And I want you to hear me. That Mary was a sinner just like you and me. Despite what many of us want to believe. Mary was not special. Mary was not divine. Mary is no different than you are or than I am. The Bible never once identifies Mary as perfect or likely to be so holy that she's perfect. In fact, in her song, when she sang a worship song to God, she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Perfect people don't need a savior. It's important you understand something. Mary is a woman, is a human, just like you and me. She's, she's, she's broken and she's, she's a sinful and she has a past and she's got areas of her life just like you and me. And you and I have to understand that today. That, that in order for us to understand this story, we have to put ourselves in Mary's shoes, in Joseph's shoes, and remember that she was just like us. Broken, hurting, and in need of a savior. In fact, Mary's lineage, if you look at Mary's lineage, throughout the, in that day, culturally, you would look at a family tree and 
and a person's family tree was like a resume. It was kind of a way to know if they were, you know, good people and come from good stock and if they had good history. I don't know if you know this, but Mary's lineage and Mary's history was full of all sorts of crazy things. People would look at her family history, her family tree, and it would look at it and say, oh my gosh, look at the people that were in her genealogy. I don't know if you've ever done this. Most of you probably haven't, like I have. But Matthew chapter 1 is full of a bunch of genealogies. And I'm sure you just skip over it right to chapter 2. Is that right? You're like, this person, we got this. Oh my gosh, God is not in this. Let's move forward. <laughs> but in that genealogy, in the Matthew chapter 1, there is five different people mentioned that are never mentioned in Scripture. And five women are mentioned in the genealogy of Mary and Joseph. And we have to understand something that never happens. And the ones that were mentioned were Tamar, who slept with her father-in-law, and Rahab, who was a prostitute, and Ruth, who was a Moabitess Canaanite woman. She was a Gentile, not even a Jew, and Bathsheba, who's also a Gentile, not a, and, and she uh, committed adultery with David. And I, I think it was David's fault, but she was involved too, all right? So, and then there was Mary, who's another woman. Five different women mentioned in this scripture, and all of them have a riddled past in their history. Women were not named in a lineage, and they were radically discarded because most of, three out of five of them were Gentiles, and these were not all Proverbs 31 women. These were women who made mistakes. These were women who fell short. Mary's family history, Mary's family was not a great reflection of pure perfection of righteousness and holiness. And among all that, we understand that David, the Lion of David, the great David the king was a, he was a, an adulterer. He was a, he was a murderer. He was an accomplice to murder. He, he, he committed adultery. And so Mary must come by this honestly. Because in the eyes of Mary, in the eyes of Joseph and the family, Mary was an adulterer. And in those days, the Mosaic law required you to take this woman who committed adultery into the public square and you would stone her to death. So what Joseph decided to do, because how kind of Joseph to say, listen, I don't want you to die. I'm going to just divorce you. And he did it away from public disgrace. He said, I don't want to make her look bad. I, I don't want to make her feel bad for what she did. And so I don't want her to die. And so I'm going to divorce her privately so nobody will know. See, we have to understand something about this in this scripture. That God chose a young, sinful, imperfect seventh grader who had an imperfect, rough family history who is filled with prostitutes, murderers, adulterers, and Gentiles. God chose that person of all people to house, the, to be pregnant with God. God chose this type of person to carry Jesus Christ, to carry the creator of the world, to carry the one who would die for the sins of the world. And Mary knew that this was that reality and she was not worthy. I can only imagine what Mary was probably thinking in her head because I imagine what I would feel if God gave me such an assignment and God came to me. I begin to wonder, God, why would you choose me? God, why would you come for me? God, why would you use me for your kingdom? 
She probably thought in her mind, God, I'm just a, I'm just a girl and, and I'm a, I have a broken family past and I'm imperfect and I'm a nobody. No, no one even knows who I am. Why would God ever come and visit a little girl who's insignificant like me? Remember, she was troubled at this news. She heard it, was disturbed, thinking, why, God? Why would you choose me? And often what happens when you and I, when God calls us to something or God gives us a person, a purpose or God begins to pour out his grace on us. Often what happens is, is that you and I begin to disqualify ourselves. We begin to talk ourselves out of it and we say, I'm too much of a sinner. I've gone too far. I've made too many mistakes. I've I've ruined my marriage. I'm a divorced individual. I've fallen short. I've done bad things. Look at my family. Look at the mistakes and the failures of the family history that I've had. Look at my marriage it's falling apart. Look at my finances. I can't seem to keep it in order. Look how I can't be consistent in my Bible reading. Or man, I'm just a sinner and I can't, I can't keep my eyes from looking at things that I shouldn't look at. Or I can't stop doing the things that are sinful and wrong. Every single one of us here today begin to have this narrative in our mind that we are not good enough, that we don't deserve it, that I'm too far from God. I've gone too far to receive what God has for me. And this is called condemnation. Condemnation is when I'm not thought narrative turning over in my head that says I'm not good enough and I'm a failure and I'm a reject and there's no way that God could ever forgive me and there's no way that God could ever love me and there's no way that God could ever help me. I'm too far gone. I'm just not good enough. I'm just too much of a failure. I'm just unreachable by God. And condemnation helps remind you of your faults and your disqualification upon disqualification. Why you could never, ever be used for God's purposes. Why you never will amount. Why you can never ever do something great for the kingdom of God. Why you could never receive his grace and forgiveness in your life. And I want you to know today this is one of the devil's greatest strategies with Christians today. He begins to build this narrative in our mind where we begin to think to ourselves, I am inadequate to have a relationship with God. Uh, When I feel this way, what happens is, is that you and I recognize God wants to love me and God wants to forgive me and God wants to pour out his grace on me but because I don't feel adequate and I don't deserve it I put an arm up against God I believe in you I believe that you're God I believe that you're Jesus I go to church but what I'm not okay with is it's like when someone tries to give you a hug after you made a crazy mistake and you've asked for forgiveness and they go to hug you and you just feel so dirty and gross because of the mistake that you made. You're just like, no, 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 no. I'm good with you and I being all right, but I don't want to have any more intimacy. I'm going to keep you at arm's length. That's what condemnation does to the people of God. Come to a place where we say, I'm okay with God. I'm okay with the idea of God. I'm okay with church. I'm okay with all these things. But the moment God wants to forgive me for this atrocity or this sin or the mistake, the moment God wants to come and invade my life, I say, well, too close. I don't want you to see the disgusting things in my mind. I don't want you to get near the mistakes that I've made in the past. I don't want you to see that my marriage has fallen apart. I don't want you near me, God. I I want you close enough to where I can be in relationship with you, but I don't want you coming any closer. This is what we do. Often in our relationship with God, what happens is, is that you and I allow condemnation to become a wedge between us and God. 
We allow the narrative in our mind to say, man, I, I, I just can't receive. I can't say yes to God because of what I've done wrong. I can't say yes to God because I've been too far gone. I can't say yes to God because, yeah, I've been in the church for a while, but no one can know the mistakes that I've made because I will be rejected by people and by God. And so I'm going to talk to you and be nice to you, but I'm never going to let you in my life. Why? Because condemnation reigns in my mind. And I am in bondage to condemnation. And see, this is why God in this scripture chose an imperfect young woman with a family that was beyond unworthy. He came despite her shortcomings. And look what he says to her in this scripture. He says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found Favor with God. That word favor there literally means much grace. You've found much grace. I've, I've given you like an enormous amount of grace. Notice it says you have found favor with God. That word found there in that scripture, it literally, it literally means the idea that, that you've come upon something that was not planned for. So here's Mary being called to house God, to, to have birth to, to Jesus, to have birth, carry Jesus in her womb. And she's saying, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm too broken. And my past is too broken. He says, listen, I'm going to pour out my grace on you. Why? Because grace found you. You did nothing to deserve it. It was not because you're perfect. It's not because you're righteous. It's not because you worked your way into my good grace. No, I'm doing it because I love you and I've called you and I have a purpose for you. He wants to shower his grace and unmerited favor on your life, even though you did nothing to deserve it. This is what Jesus does for our lives. That, that when, when you are in sin and when you're making mistakes and when you have shortcomings and pain and loss and fear and you're in a situation that doesn't make sense, God wants to shower his grace on you. But you have to say yes to his grace. When you say yes to his grace, guess what the Bible says? I love this. When you say yes to God, God, I need you. God, yes, I receive it. God, yes, I say yes to your love, even though I don't feel like I deserve it. Yes to your grace, even though I've never done anything to deserve it. Yes to my marriage being restored. Yes to forgiving that person. Yes to letting go of bitterness. And yes to letting go of the hurt of my past. And yes to forgiving my dad for being abusive to me. And yes, forgiving my brothers and sisters for neglecting me. And yes to my pastor. And yes to that church. And yes, I, I forgive God. Release me, God. I, I want your help. I need your grace. The Bible says that when this happens, the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in a life union with Jesus, the anointed one. That voice of condemnation is required to cease. It can no longer talk. It can no longer come into your mind any longer. And when you start to feel these thoughts, once again, you can stop and say, no, I said yes to his grace. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see that guilt and shame and feeling unworthy and feeling not good enough, they're all gone. And see, when God came to Mary, when the angel came to Mary, Mary was told exactly what God had for her, the plan that God had for her life. And he heard the incredible reality of it, knowing that she wasn't worthy, knowing that she did not, uh, she wasn't sufficient enough and her background didn't, didn't, didn't add up. She knows that. But Mary had to make a choice. 
Will I receive this gift of grace? Will I receive God? Will I say yes? Or because of my guilt and my shame and my condemnation, will I keep an arm's length up between me and God? Oh, I'm okay with the majority of what you're saying to do, but God, I still want to have control of my life. I know you want me to give full control to you, God, and I'm good with you being involved, but I want a little bit of control. So therefore, I'm just going to stay over here. I'm going to be in a relationship with you, but I'm going to be at arm's length. Are we going to say, she had to say yes, yes to God. Yes to his grace. Yes to his mercy. Because she realized there was nothing that can separate her from God's love. Look at the scripture in Romans chapter 8. For I'm convinced that nothing. Everyone say nothing. nothing. Let's try it again. Nothing. Nothing. No thing. Nothing, 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 zero, nothing. Oh, no, Ryan, you don't know. No, nothing. No, there's the certain, no, nothing. Nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can, life can, the angels won't. All the powers of hell itself cannot, cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today. Our worries about tomorrow, where we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing, 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 nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Now you might have heard this before, but when this breaks through in your heart and mind, this goes from a religion to a personal relationship with God where you realize he invaded your mind and the thoughts of your mind that thought, okay, I'm good enough. Listen, you're not good enough. That's the whole point. You and I are not righteous outside of the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Every single person in the room is disqualified for his grace and love. Because he died for us, because he demonstrated it by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And when Mary heard this, when she said, you're favored, I'm going to give you grace. Mary responded, she says, okay, God, I'm your servant. The answer is yes. Yes, God. This task seems too big for me. This ministry seems too large for me. This goal seems too much for me, God. The ability to forgive myself is just too much. It's just too big. The depression's too large. The anxiety's too much. But God, I say yes, because you're saying I can do it. You're saying I can break through it. You're saying I can have a purpose. You're saying I can have, okay, God, I hear your word over me. I'm favored. You're giving me grace. You're giving me mercy. You're giving me the capacity and the ability to do what you called me to do. See, Mary had to make a choice and she was choosing yes to her entire life changing. She was saying yes to God having all the control in her life. She was saying yes to God's way and not her way. She was saying yes to God, I'm no longer gonna be in control. I'm no longer just gonna have my plans. I'm gonna go for your plans. I'm no longer gonna do this my way. I'm gonna do this your way. And what happened is, is that Mary realized that God's way is better. In fact, Paul, I'm gonna show you this in scripture and then we'll end our time together. Paul teaches us on this. Look what Paul says. He says, but whatever former things were gains to me, as I, I, I thought they were gains to me then. I used to look at my life and say, man, 
Look how life's going, man. I got this job and I got that car and I've got this, this future and I've got this money and I've got this relationship. Man, look how life is going. It seems to be going pretty well. But then I made a choice when he came to me and said, hey, I want to do something with your life. And I said, okay, there was a moment that I had to consider. Now I consider these things a loss. That word consider is a mathematical term. It means that it's so you're, you're doing the, 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 the algorithm or the, 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 the solution in your mind trying to figure out how does this make sense? Is, okay, God's calling me and that means, gosh, he's calling me to lay down my life. And if I lay down my life, gosh, that means I'm, I might have to give up this relationship or I might have to stop thinking this way. or man, That means my plans have to be surrendered. I have to turn to God. I begin to come to this conclusion that these things that were in my life before are simply a loss. That word loss is used by Paul to describe a shipwreck. So he said, I've come to consider. I've looked at my life prior to my yes to God, prior to when I said, yes, God, I receive your love and your grace. And I've realized that, that life without God is a, a shipwreck. God, life without God, it's just damage. There's just no, no future. A life without God, it, I consider it nothing. I consider it garbage. Now that I've said yes to God, now that I've said yes to his purposes, now that I've said yes to his way, now that I've said yes to his grace, now that I've finally said yes to his forgiveness, now that I've said yes to forgiving that person that hurt me and the bitterness is no longer there, now that I've said yes to this addiction, i said I'm not going to give myself to that addiction anymore, yes to being broken in my life, I say yes God, yes I am your servant. What happens is there's a moment where you begin to say wow, life with God is so of God coming to earth is that he could seek and save the lost. Whenever I preach on this type of idea, I'm always concerned for my life and for those listening that there are a few in the room who say, good message, Ryan. Not really for me. Didn't relate, but good message. That's what I said to the first service. If I right now were to call a moment and said, I would need everyone to come to the front who believes it's for them, every person in the room would have to say, well, I hate to admit it. But I've got some things in my life where God's asking me to, man, he's asking me to, to take on Jesus, take on his life, take off his, his way, take on his perspective, to let go of some things, to forget about the past, to move forward. There's some things in my life during this Christmas season where I have to stop and consider, God, do I want your way or am I really working for my way? is, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. May what you've said about me come to pass. I feel so strongly right now that there are people in the room who have had a call of God on their life for ministry. And you have put it on the shelf and said, not for me any longer. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to go after this. And the Lord wants you to know today, come on, he's, he's asking you to be pregnant with Jesus in this season. He's calling you into that place of ministry in this season. And he wants to propel you forward. He wants to give you grace, but you have to receive it. There are people in the room today who, who aren't willing to go forward in belief with having a child or their marriage being restored or God using them or ministering to their life. They said, that's too far gone and this is too wrong or I've made too many mistakes. You're here today saying, no more. You're here today saying, right, I can't go any further. I've gone far as I can on my own strength. Well, good. Because now Jesus wants to pour out his grace. He wants to do something in your life in this season that you have been whole arm's length 
I don't want to let you in again. God, I've made too many mistakes. I've been through too many relationships. I've had a divorce. I've done this. I've done that. And God says, it doesn't matter to me. I've forgiven you. And now let me pour my grace out on your life. I want to pray for you today. And what I believe as I pray today, I just feel so strongly God's shifting some things in people's hearts. There, there's some folks in the room who are stuck in religion. You're just doing this religious thing. It's been a long time since you said yes to God. You're experiencing the blessings and benefits of your yes years ago. But today there's a new yes. It's a new season. It's a new day. Father, would you just close your eyes? Father, I pray right now. Lord, for every person in the room today, God, who heard this message today and feels unworthy, feels broken and hurting and lost, feels as though, God, they don't amount and that the mistakes are too big. Father, today I pray that you would begin to shower your grace down our life. Lord, I pray that, Lord, their, mouth, their, their heart and their mouth would confess a yes for you, Lord. For those in the room who are struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness and hurts of the past and feel a, a dark cloud of condemnation is resting over them, I speak to this condemnation and I say, leave in the name of Jesus freedom in their minds to believe and to dream once again and to believe in your word over their life but God you have a plan and a purpose for their life come on with every eye closed in the room come on nobody looking around if you're in the room today and you say Ryan I, I don't know Jesus and I'd like to start a relationship with him today it's very simple I'm not going to pull you forward or embarrass you I just want to see your hand just put your hand in the air and just wave it at me real quick say Ryan I want to I say a prayer today and give my life to Jesus and start a journey with him today on anybody in the room. Okay. Lord, we just pray for those watching online and those in the room who want to give their life to you to start their journey with you. Today, Father, we say yes. We confess that you're Lord. We confess that you're God. And Father, we want to start a journey with you today in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Come on, everybody, stand. Amen. Come on, you can stand to your feet as we end our time together. Come on, I want to dismiss you today. But come on, if you want prayer, we want to pray with you. We want to partner with you. If you need prayer today, or this message impacted you, and you'd like to come forward to receive some prayer, come on. We're going to have a prayer team forward here. Come on, don't miss this opportunity to have God minister to your life today, amen? Come on, remember, Christmas Eve this week, 2, 3.30, and 5. And then we do not have a Sunday gathering this next Sunday or January 1st. We're online. I love you guys. Invite someone to join you for Christmas Eve, and we'll see you guys there. It's going to be an amazing day. I love you. You're dismissed. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.